1: Good game, nice try. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Good Game, Nice Try. I'm Sonya Reed, aka OmG at and I am joined by my beautiful co-host, Aaron Blair. How are you
2: doing? I'm good. I'm in my podcast recording stance. I I've got saw a stance that. and eyes. Focused on the prize, and that prize is today's episode.
1: Ah, oh, that was it.
2: Uh, how are you? What's happening?
1: Ah, you know, doing doing all right. I'm not I'm not ready to to pounce into action, but um, I've been doing good.
2: What's What's happening in uh, in Sonya Video Game Land
1: lately? Actually, I've been playing VR. Ooh. Um, I got back into I dusted off my quest. And uh, I've just been hanging out in, oh gosh, what's it called? VR chat.
2: VR chat is what? Just like a bunch of virtual rooms that you just hang out with virtual people in?
1: Yeah, essentially. I mean, you can join on VR. You can join. I think you can actually still join on PC too. But yeah, you can create like any kind of avatar you want. And there's a bunch of different virtual worlds that you can just go and hang out. And it's just real people in VR. You can have weird VR interactions and stuff. But uh, yeah, I was just bopping around as a little disco ball with jacked legs um, and then I and then I decided maybe I should try being a little lizard so I was okay. a lizard and then I was a tall little skinny pepper I really went through like a full metamorphosis uh, yeah through,
2: wow <laughs> let's un- well, I, I can't a, a different time we'll have to unpack that yeah my god yeah absolutely. what was what did you finally settle on what was the form your final form?
1: You know, I, I I really liked the lizard. It was tiny and cute, but I'm I'm five foot three, man. I want to have a little bit of height, even if it is only virtual. So I stuck with the tall, skinny pepper. He was like seven feet tall. He's got these tiny little stick legs. All right, um, that's cool. It, it was nice to actually have some kind of height. Period. Even if it's yeah. simulated, I'll take it.
2: I. It's so funny. I, you know, Tilt Brush was kind of one of the yes. first VR things. And for people who haven't played Tilt Brush, it's like kind of uh, Adobe Photoshop, but 3D. So you're in Adobe. So you have a, one of your controllers is basically a paintbrush. You could paint in the air and you could walk mm-hmm. around it. And like, you do know, all these different effects where you can have smoke. You can draw a box and then fill it with smoke. And then there's just a floating smoke box in front of you. Um and very quickly, I realized that I just drew things that a, you know an eight-year-old would draw, but <laughs> in 3D. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I, I shouldn't be given the responsibility of being able to create whatever world I want. <laughs> I think kind of like, you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility and I'm just not up to the task, you know?
1: I mean, I think you should just give it another shot. You never know.
2: Listen, you know, I guess Rome wasn't built in a day. But I will say, a lot of VR dicks were drawn in the air <laughs> in my kitchen in a day. <laughs> it's right? a good start. It's that's a good a, start. That's a phrase people say. Right? Yeah, normal people if not, say if, that. If, if not, we can start that phrase. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, enough about our uh, VR <laughs> adventures. Listen, if you, I'm very excited about our guest today. If you've played a game in the last two decades, you have definitely heard the voice. Of our guest, she's voiced over 500 characters, and the my list God. goes and keeps growing. You know her for such games as World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, Gears of War 5, Uncharted, Spider-Man, Marvel Avengers, countless others, and especially one of my faves. She voiced Abby in The Last of Us Part 2, which was, by the way, 2020 Game of the Year, and she won the Game Awards for Best Performance for the role of Abby, very exciting,
1: Incredible and so, so well-deserved. So well-deserved. And she's also a member of Critical Role where you can watch her play Dungeons and Dragons alongside incredibly talented voice actors on a weekly live stream on Twitch. She is an absolute force in the video game industry and we love chatting with her. That was so much fun. And I hope you guys enjoy as well. Enjoy our interview with Laura Bailey.
2: Well, thank you for being here. This is very exciting. And we were just saying it's so fun to do a podcast remotely with someone who has so much experience doing things with their voice. (laughs) Um, You are everywhere. You are everywhere. And uh, yeah, and and again, uh, we've just, um, Sonia has never played The Last of Us before, but she, I know.
1: I just started. Did you start the first one or the second one? Which, oh the first so you're one for starting sure. the first one yeah. first okay. yeah I want to yeah. work my way through but yeah, okay, good, I good. don't know why I slept on it for so long. It's such an incredibly immersive, beautiful game and I'm just so excited that I have so much game left to play yeah. and then and right. another one on top. So
2: that's right. <laughs> and, and obviously you being such a huge part of the Last of Us part two, can you take us back? To the very beginning of your video game experience, what was like your first exposure to video games?
3: My ev- ever, ever, holy moly! Uh, I mean, I was—I grew up a gamer. My dad was like super into into video games back before like video games were even what they are now. So I remember, God,
2: Laura <laughs> <laughs> just got a, a very a very like looked off into the distance just, in like a yeah. hundred years of solitude. I'm flashbacking
3: to like some of the first games that I ever played that I don't even know the name of them anymore. There was this game that was like two barbarians and you sword fought. Like each player controlled a barbarian and you fought with each other. And they sounded like, they sounded like Conan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I, you know, I would watch my dad play Quake and Half-Life and all of that stuff.
2: Great games for a child. Great hell, a little yeah. quake.
3: <laughs> I mean what the hell? Just looking at people on spikes and stuff? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Um And then I, I loved all of the like Sierra games. So I was super into King's Quest. Yes, Quest for Glory and the Laura Bau mysteries. If you guys remember that at Ooh. all, what was that? I don't. It was. It took place in the 1920s, and you were this ace reporter that had to go and solve crimes. And um, and yeah, I I I loved it.
2: That is. I remember. I was very deep into Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego back in the day. <laughs> Heavy yes.
3: Ass. Oh my gosh. I was going to
1: say it sounds like an investigative Carmen Sandiego vibe. It, it it
3: did. It was like kind of murder mystery. Yeah, it was that's fun. a good start.
2: Do you think? Do you think any of that kind of early exposure kind of influenced what games you like now and what projects you take?
3: I mean, yeah, I still am super in love with RPGs. You know, oh. like Dragon Age forever um, and Skyrim. <laughs> you know, I put I don't even know hundreds of hours into Skyrim. So uh, yeah, that's that's. My bread and butter, that's what I love. And I think, you know, growing up in video games, growing up playing them, kind of made me understand them better. Um, So it was easier once I started working in the industry to like know what the developers were talking about in recording sessions. Because a lot (laughs) of times, you know, actors come in that haven't played and they don't necessarily understand the vibe of a certain situation. And you're like, I got 300 hours on Skyrim, (laughs) put me in. I got you, baby, I got you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, you know, Did you always see, like, this as a career
3: for yourself?
2: And, and if not, when did you kind of first realize that this, you know, this might be a career that you you would enjoy?
3: Well, I started voice acting, like, fresh out of high school. My first job that I ever did was Dragon Ball Z. Kid Kid Trunks, Kid right? Trunks, yes. Very cool. Hey, mister, don't underestimate me or you'll get hurt. And so I was doing that in, in Texas and pursuing, like, other forms of acting. Uh, (laughs) and it was, it's kind of hard in, in Texas, there's like a a much smaller pool of what's available to even audition for. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't realize that voice acting could actually be like a career that you could, could do that and only that. And it wasn't until, um, 2000, God, what year was that? 2007, I think when I moved out to California and kind of saw how many recording studios and how many different game studios and cartoons were being made here that I, I understood fully what, what it was.
1: So what was your first, I mean, I guess thinking back to the beginning of it, you said your first kind of, uh, intro into voice acting was Dragon Ball Z. Um, what, what inspired that? Like what made you kind of want to like jump into voice acting specifically?
3: Well, I, I mean, I was doing a play. I was, you know, 18. I was doing a play and uh, a couple, God, how did this happen? One of the guys that was in the show with me, Kent Williams, wonderful man, um, was a voice actor for Funimation for Dragon Ball Z already. And he knew there were some parts coming up that needed like younger voices, like Kid Trunks, that needed younger voices. And um, so he asked if I wanted to go and audition and so I said hey, hey, yes, please, and <laughs> so I, I, I did it.
2: That's amazing. What would you? Do you have any advice for people who want to break in now? I mean, the industry obviously has changed. So, really not has. just the video game industry, but the voiceover industry has changed so much since you've started. Um, do you have any any advice for people like, oh my gosh, if I could be the next
3: Laura Laura Bailey too? I wish I had like a much better answer. It's just things have changed so much that I don't even know anymore how <laughs> you break in. like to me, like my advice that I've always said is to do you know, theater because it really does open the door. To a lot more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of of what avenue you're looking for, you know, I got my TV and and film agent through live theater as well. They came and saw that. and um, oh cool. So That's it crazy. just kind of presents itself and it's it's easy to like network with people in that way. And and really it's a matter of when that opportunity comes up, when that door like opens a crack that you have to be so prepared. Right. To like knock everybody's socks off when you get that opportunity because like yeah. you may only get the one, so you really have to make a good impression.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate how you touch on like how you know everything kind of feeds into it too, where if you're focusing on theater, or if you're focusing on other things, how it all kind of feeds into that general talent, right? Yeah And um, you know your role on, on critical role, Uh, Which is incredible. Do you find that that being on Critical Role and also doing VO, like all of those talents and all those experiences kind of feed into each other and kind of like augment? And
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, so much of even just voiceover is about improv and and being able to like picture your environment. Because when you're in front of a mic in a booth or even on a mocap stage, so much of what you're doing is based in like your mind power in in Your play ability. Um, So yeah, like being able to every week go and play (laughs) play our stupid game of D anD D, and like it just keeps it so fresh. You're so I'm I'm. It's so much easier now to just drop into any random headspace and and know what's going on. Like I can fully envision an environment that is not there at all.
2: For better or worse. Yeah. It's <laughs> Oh God. It's I'm just the basically Matrix.
3: crazy now. <laughs> <But>. <laughs>
2: exactly. What are what are some tricks you've learned over the years that you kind of use to help yourself prepare for that exact thing? Like now, when you take a role uh and you decide to do a, a, you know, a role in a game or what have you, what kind of research do you do to prepare before you go into the studio or before you go into the booth?
3: Uh, it fully depends on what project it is that I'm working on. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes, still, like, there's not a lot of time to prepare. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you might not even know what role you're playing or what game you're working on before you get to the studio. Wait, what do you mean? that still happens. What do you mean? Well, sometimes, you know, like, the the game industry is so secretive because they don't want anything to get out. Like, it's happened. Oh, my God. It's happened. Where an actor has gone in and worked on something, and then they've... Stupidly tweeted out like oh, oh, I just we're no. done. And it's so <laughs> and you're dumb like, no.
2: <laughs> Last of Us Eight. Wait, what? Yeah, what? Excuse Last me? of Us Eight.
3: <laughs> so everything's non-disclosure agreements now. And uh, right. you know, sometimes you'll go in and like you'll have the title of a project that is not accurate you won't have any idea what it is you're going in for yeah um like i i was at a convention one time and i was signing autographs and somebody brought up a game for me to sign and i'm like oh i'm not in that but i i can sign it if you want they're like no you 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 are in it it's, that's you right there <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I are nice. like clue what my character's name actually was what <laughs> my i was so oh sad oh, that um, is
2: wild
3: you know, like games like uh infamous and and Last of Us and Gears and everything yeah. uh that is a, an amazing process because usually we're cast so far in advance before we start filming or anything like that, so we get the chance to talk to the team and um really figure out the characters and dive into the script before we ever do anything else yeah. um. So we can shape those characters that's, in a much better that's way. That's
2: incredibly cool. Yeah. yeah. And ha- has that process changed? Uh, you know, again, like y- you being in like Silent Hill and Resident Evil and all these other games. And now it really feels like, and again, I will say The Last of Us Part Two, no spoilers, The Last of Us Part Two, uh, incredible. And just one of my favorite pieces of art, period, across right. literature, movies, anything. And it, it feels like that's only really kind of started to happen in the last four or five years where games have reached this level that they are amazing, fully formed words. It's not just, you know, running around, grinding, trying to, you know, get achievements. It's like, wow, you're telling a full-fledged story. Are you noticing when you go in for these, you know, uh, roles in the past few years that these people are approaching it with a whole world and a a story and a a backstory? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. I think we're finally at a point where the technology is able to um, back up the, the stories, you know? Um, so, yeah, with something like Last of Us, uh, yeah, it can be so much more than than running around and, and picking up loot, you know? <laughs> Which is still great. I still love games where you run around and do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I have seen, you know, a lot more roles coming up that are fully realized. They're yeah. completely three-dimensional characters as opposed to just sexy chick. Swinging a sword. What was, that, what was
2: that like going in for the first kind of meeting with the Last of Us uh, folks?
3: Well, I had worked with Neil, uh, God, I, I think it was just on on the first Last of Us game is the first time that I worked with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asked if I wanted to, <laughs> so I did some voices on uh, Last of Us, and then I did voices on Left Behind, and I was already friends with Troy and Ashley and everything, and um yeah. I was at the rap party for Left Behind, and Neil mentioned to me that he had a role that he thought I would, he, he would want me to play in in the second game, and asked if I would be willing to come on board. And I was like,
1: Yes! Oh my God! What? This is amazing! <laughs> You're like, well, um, Let me let me think about it for yeah. a second. Yeah. I'm not. You
3: let know. me tweet it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I made the joke to him that I, I was tweeting it out. Um, <laughs> and then I I auditioned for Uncharted um, before Last of Us Two ever was. Uh, you know, casting or anything like that, um, and got cast in that game. So I worked with Neil on that. Um, so I was already, like, I knew the company really well. I knew Neil really well. Um, so then when we started working on Last of Us, I still had to audition. Um, scared out of my mind, freaked out, because by that <laughs> point, and no spoilers, but um, by that point I knew what... Um, Abby's role was within the story
0: oh mm.
3: um, and some of the audition scenes were those scenes oh, very so intense. it was really intense Ooh. Um, Ooh. to do that stuff so you killed my friends we let you both live
0: and you wasted it
2: I mean I, I again I have to say I I love your character uh, and it it's a great series and I can only imagine what it was like to be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna be this this person. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. cool. That's very fun.
3: Nerve wracking for sure. <laughs> what
2: it, what does it feel to to be uh, you know a person who's who's lent your voice to so many great badass women. Right. We're talking black widow, we're talking uh, uh you know Nadine and Uncharted. Oh, come on, Nadine, really?
0: We know you're a badass and all, but
3: I don't think my men are on their way here right now. All I have to do is boss some time.
2: You've played all these great roles. And what does that mean to you, like in terms of like industry-wide leading the way? It's
3: weird, way. right? And it's cool. I mean, lately, I what I think is great is that so many uh, companies have really just started. It's not about uh, badass women. It's about badass characters. And it can be a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think more companies are realizing that, more developers are realizing that. Like, I had a conversation, I don't know, probably a decade ago with um, with Troy Baker, um, who was my neighbor at the time. Uh, so I was always hanging out with him and everything. Um, and I was talking about how frustrating it was um, in this industry at the time to be to be a female and to only have roles come up so rarely that actually were fully-fledged people. Yeah. Um, and it was hard for him to understand because for him, it had always just been a given that that's the type of roles that he would get to play. Right. Um and I was always the wife or the sidekick or mm-hmm. the chick that you're rescuing or something like that. And it was, it was really frustrating. Um, so to see the progression just in this last decade of the amount of roles offered to females has been pretty phenomenal. Yeah,
1: it's, it's great that it feels like it is more developed. And it's cool, you know, in, in your uh, instance specifically, being involved so early in it, you know, being rain and blood rain, yeah. which is incredible.
3: I some strong blood. It's Kagan's, all right.
2: You don't seem as upset as I expected.
1: Upset? I'm excited. Being a a lead female like that, even now as we're talking about, is like kind of a rarity. Um, it's becoming more more and more developed, but even back in like 2001,
3: like that's incredible. How was that? I guess yeah. being involved that early. I was so young. Like I go back and I listen to this stuff from from Blood Rain now, and I uh, I want to like stab myself because uh, <laughs> kind of a trip. Yeah, any any of the early stuff that I did, I, I don't I don't like any of it. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but it was still pretty cool at the time, you know. Very cool. Absolutely, I mean, it it was it was it's still like specific to that time period though, because Rain was. I mean, she had a Playboy spread.
1: <laughs> I didn't you know, know that? Yeah, what I did. I did not know
3: that either. I did know that. Oh, you know, oh, and like word. so much of her reaction noises, like the blood sucking noises. You know, it sounded sexual. You are too fine to live.
2: Right, sure. And all that
3: kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, it was awesome that she's like a, a really badass character, but at the same time, it was like, it can only be that if you allow it to yes. have this yeah. aspect. well. So just like Lara Croft, who, yeah. I love the Tomb Raider games, but Lara Croft was super sexualized. It's great to have characters now that are not, which mm-hmm. is why Abby and Ellie are such great characters because they can just be human
1: yep we're making progress yes definitely making progress
0: (laughs) love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places well working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like t-mobile
2: The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. what's your dream character to voice? Like what, what kind of direction do you see yourself going in as games expand?
3: Right. Um,
2: You know, I mean, again, you kind of now, you know, have, you have such opportunity. Um, You know, where do you, where would you like to go? Where would you like to see yourself? I
3: mean, ultimately like dream, dream. Dream. I would love, I want, I would love for like our CR universe to be turned into Like an RPG in the, like the vein of games that I love to play. I would love for Exandria to be a world that I can run around in and like play one of my D&D characters in a video game. Like what the heck? wild. It'd be amazing. You just spend all this time creating a character. Like it's like this whole other weird thing of like it, it. On top of that, I would get to, like, run around. Like, when I play Saints Row or something, I make a character that looks like me so I can run around with my voice and do funny things. So it would just add this other level.
2: You know, Critical Role is a very long-running Dungeons & Dragons game. And you guys have started streaming it which is really fun to watch and done live performances and that stuff.
0: What is it you see?
3: Oh, I'm just looking for a way to break that curse that you know you gave to my friend. I don't want her to be a goblin anymore cuz she doesn't want to be a goblin. So
2: What has playing uh D&D and Critical Role taught you? Like not e- even just, you know, imagination-wise, but also just in life. What has what have you kind of learned cuz how how many years have has has that gone on now? Have you done Critical Role?
3: We've been playing on the stream together for over five years now, for yeah. probably five and a half. But before that, we were playing for like three years before we ever started wow. doing anything. I love it. Um, so a while, eight a and little half years. bit, Put yeah, in some time. But um, I mean, it feels like I, I think what I've taken away from it more than anything is just like empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to put yourself in another person's shoes. And, like, it's fun to create a character Mm -hmm. that's very different than you. And, like, you have to constantly think, what would that person do? Why am I responding to something in in a different way? Which is so much what acting is anyway. But it's, like, so surrounded. And, And to play a game with, you know, your really good group of friends who are all committing that much to something as well it just becomes so much extra.
2: <laughs> I love that. One thing I think that, I I love the rise of Dungeons & Dragons in, the, in this past few years. And one of the things I love most about it is, Laura, something you were just saying, in terms of like the work you put in and your character, there's such a, Deep, rich backstory, and the storytelling part of me really loves that. Um, I mean, how? What would be the best way? You, you, such. You're such a, a luminary in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, and Critical Role is like. The gold standard for playing, you know. How uh, weird is
3: that? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that weird? It's, it's so, so. I mean, cool. it's so fun. It's just. It's. I would have never, ever, ever in a hundred years thought that that's where like my life would would go. How, it's just how did so you fun. first?
2: What was the first like session of Critical Role like? Like, what like was at it? home? Yeah, like, we like, played. Well, like literally the very first one. Do you remember the very? Yeah. Oh, what was it? Yes.
3: We were playing. Oh God! It was because Liam O'Brien had asked to play a game of D D because he had played in high school, mm-hmm. and so he knew that Matt um, was a, a DM. Mercer, yeah. And so he had asked uh, some of his friends to get together and play. I was not initially invited <gasps> to play. Oh. He <laughs> asked my husband to oh. play, and Travis who. Like, I have interested in D&D, and Travis was, like, a football player. Like, he did not ever, like, do that kind of stuff in high school. So I instantly was like, why the hell were you invited? And I wasn't invited. This is bullshit. So Travis asked Liam about it, and he's like, oh, of course Laura's invited. I didn't know she'd want to do it. So then I, like, forced myself into the game. Um, And the very first thing that we did, you know, Matt just, like, introduced like we all walked into a tavern or something and it it was this moment of going wait 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 so we can do anything right now we can (laughs) literally do anything that we want to and he's like yeah and I'll respond to it so make it up so yeah we just I went up and started talking to the barkeep and decided like we didn't at that point because it was just a one-off game we just thought we were going to get together for one night and all we had were our our player class, race, and name. And that was it. And um, so no backstory, nothing. I just (laughs) knew that my character was going to be Liam's twin because our birthday was on the same day and we had both wanted to be rogues and we both wanted to be half-elves. And um, I let him, since he, you know, organized the game, be the rogue. (laughs) And I switched over to Ranger. Um, So yeah, we just kind of like dove into the character. Travis didn't even know his Guy's name until the moment he said it. Like he was like, My name is um, Grog.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you find yourself, because it is so long running, making decisions that are a little more conservative now because you care, you have such a deep emotional connection to
3: your character? Oh, yeah. When we first started playing, I probably would have run into trouble a little faster. But you know, still, like Travis still plays, like (laughs) if there's a button, He's gonna press it. It's just the way it is. And and what's cool is Matt, having played with us all for this many years now, he understands, you know, what certain people's pulls are. Like what's gonna trigger them in that way, and and he knows that if he puts something in front of Travis, he's not gonna help but mess with it. <laughs> right. Sure. And then it'll just get us all into like another adventure because of it.
2: I I love it. I know. And and that's again, I I think that Critical Role has been so great. Because it's one of these things where, like, how video games, like, like, a decade ago, just started to be cool. Like, we used to all play them kind of in secret. And now it's like, yeah. oh, man. You know, like, Endgame is, like, the biggest—Avengers is the biggest thing at the box office. It's cool to be a nerd. Dungeons & Dragons, I see, is really the next kind of level of that. Like, it's cool to use yeah. your imagination. It's and it's cool this great thing
3: because I think lately, you know, we've all just become so separated— through like social media we're not used to yeah. to being around our friends and getting that face time um yeah. in that way anymore and and dungeons and dragons really makes you come back to the table in that way and like get that social interaction in a in in the way that we used to when we were <laughs> younger and and we've missed i missed yeah it's pretty great yeah
2: What things outside of video games and, and um you know Dungeons and Dragons in this world, what things are inspiring you now? Like what are you watching? What are you what have you found inspiration from that's kind of feeding your your work and your performance?
3: Oh gosh. Um I have been reading a whole lot of just like trash romance novels.
2: I love it. <laughs> there you go. But,
3: like they're okay, okay, okay. They're not like trash romance novels. Like I was like <laughs> like fantasy. Modern day fantasy slash trash romance. There's no judgment here. You know, it's quarantine. Everybody's it's- got their something right now. Yes. Um,
2: but let's say, let's just say for funsies, I wanted to get into trashy romance novels. <laughs> <laughs> what is- You're not already? What's, what's the gateway?
3: Um. Right now, my series that I'm reading- Yeah. Is uh, a book of- Books for the Kate Daniels series, which, um, it's like modern day, I'm giving a commercial for it right now, (laughs) (laughs) modern day, like, alternate universe where magic is, like, super strong in the world, and it's, like, clashing with technology, and there's vampires, and there's shapeshifters, and there's, but not in, like, the Twilight way, it's, like, really creepy stuff, and, yeah, it's just really fun. Blood magic, there's blood magic- It's cool. Wait, this sounds awesome. There's like magic binds and magic bites and magic sparks. I don't know all the names of them. I literally read them on my Kindle and I just like, I'll finish one and start the next one without ever stopping. So (laughs) I don't know the titles. Yeah.
2: You're saying that's trashy romance, but as you're describing it, I'm like, Wait, that's something I like. I'm into this. I liked it. It's super it. I'm into fun.
3: I, it's there's, You know, awesome. there's also some really great, you know, sex scenes and stuff. But it's, hence the trashy romance. You got to keep it spicy in quarantine. You got to keep it yeah. spicy. Absolutely.
1: But outside of, uh, you know, romance novels and everything, you're in, again, you're in 101 different games and everything else in between. But what have you been actually playing? What's got yes. your attention right now?
3: Uh, I just finished Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, oh my lord. Which yes. was beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Also like, an emotional game <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so fulfilling and so frustrating at the same time. <laughs> um so yeah, Ori was the last one that I finished, but um I am planning to pick up Hades. Just because so many people have spoken highly of it. So. I know.
1: I'm I'm on the fence, I'm not on the fence, but now I'm I'm kind of tipping over into the okay, now I have to play it because everyone oh, yeah. has been saying so many good things about it. Aaron, you've you've been playing it too, have or you've played through it, right?
2: Deep, deep yeah. into You're Hades. In it. And and I found out, by the way, speaking of amazing voice acting work. I play, I probably put like 20, 30 hours into it before I found out that my friend Avalon Penrose plays Meg in that game who has killed me 600. I have cursed Meg (laughs) to the heavens. And I was just like, I cannot believe this is you. And I sent her a very angry looking, a photo of me looking very angry and upset. (laughs) That's
3: the best part about being a voice actor.
2: (laughs) Do you ever get... Reactions from fans for characters you voiced? I mean, that um, seems unfair. Yes,
3: actually. Unfair. Uh, yes, yes, I have. But I've also like been in a recording session. God, I can't remember what game it was for. I think, man, was it Skyrim that I was doing voices for? But one of the like uh writers in the room when I came in, he was like, Oh, hey, Laura um i am a a fan i i played uh the old republic um and kira is one of my companion characters and i was like oh she is is she and he's like yeah i'm like did you romance her (laughs) and he got so red because he totally had oh my god thing about secret relationships is it's easy to forget you're in one but i want to be forgotten
0: let me make sure you never feel forgotten. I love you, Kira. I commit my life to you and only you, forever.
3: And so he was like awkward around me for a while because he was like, "Oh no, I'm nervous."
2: It was like, <laughs> oh, oh my! That is, I love that problem. Being like,
3: uh, I don't.
2: I mean, you are the voice of
3: somebody who I really <laughs> love. With. Oh, I've spent some hours on that one. <laughs> I mean. Dang, I had the biggest crush on Alistair from Dragon Age. Like, huge crush on Alistair.
0: Maybe I'm fooling myself. Am I fooling myself? Or do you think you might ever feel the same way about me?
2: There we go. So, yeah,
3: I met Steve Valentine and got very awkward. Really? (laughs) Knowing that it was his, yeah. Did that come up at all? No! uh, he's with my... (laughs) And so, like we were at a holiday party together, and I met him. And so my agent, Becky Dodd, who now works for Naughty Dog, um, she knew that I had a crush on Alistair. And so she made it a point to introduce me to Steve. Yes. And like, yeah, I was I was I it. it was awkward. I was awkward. I love it. Uh, I love it.
2: You, yeah. now did you consider that a favor, or was that like, oh here, let me throw you under this bus?
3: <laughs> oh yeah. She, I think she just wanted to giggle about <laughs> it. Yeah, she she was doing me a favor, but Yeah, yeah. she got her giggles in. Yeah, she got exactly.
2: (laughs) We like to end every podcast with asking our guests their best game and their worst game. So let's start low and go high. What's the game that you just can't stand? That you're just like it drives you crazy. Your worst game.
3: Yeah, man. I don't know if I have one.
2: Everybody's got one.
3: I don't know if I have a game that I, I, okay, but okay, here's the thing. It's not that I can't stand it. And it's not that I think, I, like, obviously it's a very good game. Yes. Mass Effect 3. <laughs> okay, great game. Yes. Never finished it because you got to this part where you had to choose between two of your companions. <gasps> And, like, one of them you killed, like, and it, it, you, like, had to kill an entire people, basically. And through all of my gameplay and all of those games, I had made it a point to keep every single one of my companion characters alive and with me. And, like, it was an achievement that you unlocked if you kept all of them with you. And I had done it. Oh, no. And then it got to that point and I couldn't decide. I legitimately, like, got so upset that I just had to put the game oh. down. And I never picked it how can you that, do that? that? How can they make fair. you
1: choose? How yeah, can
3: you that's choose? Nice. So
1: how far into it was that? Like how many hours that's had you put far. in? You already,
3: I'd already put way too many hours. A lot of emotional investment. Yeah. Oh
1: no. Oh, that's no. how
3: sad is that though? Like it's not, they're not real people. I should have been able to choose, but I couldn't. I couldn't oh.
2: Well, okay. So what is your best game?
3: R- More recently, I'm going to say Dragon Age Inquisition. Amazing game. Loved it. Funny that my top and my bottom were f- from the same company. That is great, um, that
2: is great. Why, no wait, why Dragon Age Inquisition that specifically?
3: Because it was just so involved and like you played for so long. And I remember getting to a point, like I'd played for what I'd already thought was a very long time. And then I got to the, the big final dragon fight and then realized, and I was like, oh, well, the game is a little short. That's a bummer. But, I like, it was still a lot of fun. And then you realize that that was only, like, the first, like, fifth of the game, this teeny <laughs> little portion of the game. And you still had all of this open world. And the moment I realized that, it was like the heavens had opened up oh. and I could explore all of this. And plus, all the companions in that are, like, so... So much fun, and I love romancing people in games, so, like, the options were unlimited, and I played it so many times so I could romance every single character.
1: And you don't have to kill any of them. Yeah, You don't have to kill them. (laughs) You don't have to choose between them. You can love them all. Exactly. And support them all,
3: and they stay with you.
2: Yeah. And would you say that all-time, or that's just recent?
3: That's more recent. All-time, all-time, all-time is this game called uh, Arcanum, Steamworks of Might and Magic. <laughs> Ooh. Which is, like, super, super old. What was that on? It was on PC. Like, fucking. Like, I don't know how many years ago. I don't know how old I was when I played it. Probably, like, middle school, maybe high school. No, high school. It was probably high school. Um, Long time ago. Uh, But it was, like, it was just so great. It was the same <laughs> sort of vibe. It was an RPG, yeah. but it was, you know, you're a little pixelated and you're wandering around and, like, it was the first game for me where I paid attention to the voice acting. So that game was what made me, like, want to be involved in this industry. Wow. Because I was so blown away by how, um, just how connected I felt to the performances. So
2: Wow. Like, what, what an amazing... Uh, a gift to be able to play that game and then be inspired to do mm. what you do. My goodness! Well, Laura Bailey, thank you so much. This was such a treat. Uh, you are the best, and thank
3: you for so much for having me. This has been so much fun.
2: If we could romance all your characters, we would. Of <laughs> all I have to say is, when they make a video game of this podcast, I want Laura Bailey to play me. I think she can do it, right? Oh, She can do anything. She, yes. she can play me easily, easily. Um, make sure to catch Laura on the Critical Role live stream every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash Critical Role. And listen, if you haven't played The Last of Us 2 yet, it's great. What are you waiting for? Get in there.
1: Uh, don't leave us just yet, mostly because I'm not emotionally prepared to deal with that. But also, we do have some game doctor for you. We're going to write some prescriptions. So uh, come back after the break.
0: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files to the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go. T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at t slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
1: Well, you stayed. You waited. Thank you. My heart is not broken. I'm very excited to see you back. Uh, we have another segment of Game Doctor. where Blay and I prescribe some games, depending on what you're you're asking for. What are you looking for? This week, we have a request all the way from Taiwan. Uh, Joe Yu writes, Hello from Taiwan. I'm loving the podcast. Can either, or both, of you recommend a game for a father of a toddler? I want it to be stress-free. I can kind of hop in, uh, hop out pretty easily. Thanks.
2: What do you think? Before Joe said stress-free, the first thing I thought of is, father of a toddler, doom eternal.
1: I mean, depending on your personality, maybe that's pretty stress-free. I don't, I'm not going to knock
2: it. Touche. But stress-free, you know, Sonny, what do you think? When I think of stress-free games, I'm thinking of like, Abzu, you know that diving game where you're in the water and you're just you're just yep. diving around a little jellyfish and stuff, stuff like that. That's a think?
1: pretty that's a pretty hop in, hop out game. I think Abzu was definitely the top of my list, but I would also love to throw in Fez.
2: So good. I thought Fez was very stressful. Really? Fez is a game that's very cool. Fez is a game that's a a 2D game, mm-hmm. and the mechanic is you can change the world to 3D. You discover so the third dimension. The third dimension. And so it's a lot of puzzles of, oh, I can't get across this bridge. All of a sudden there's distance, but now you just hop over. Um, you know, mm. across there's no more bridge because you've brought the two lands together. Uh, I thought that was rage indu- <laughs>
0: inducing.
1: <laughs> Fascinating. it's so adorable, it's so joyful. I think artistically it's so like soft and playful and it is a puzzle game, but I don't think it ever felt frustrating,
2: you know? Well, you're smarter than me. (laughs) I honestly couldn't get past like, like the 20 minute mark. That's not a joke for this game doctor segment. I'm not exaggerating. I only could play like 20 minutes. And then I was like, honestly stumped and I gave up out of rage.
1: Well, maybe Joe Yu will have some better luck. Maybe he... he...
2: couldn't have worse luck. (laughs) Couldn't have worse luck.
1: Well, listen, if Fez is... uh, If if it's not fleshing out for you and you're tired of Abzu, I am going to throw out one final one. Ooh. And of course, I got to say Animal Crossing. (laughs) If you want to just keep paying off a mortgage... Okay, well, now that I'm thinking about it, 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 and then, okay. (laughs) But... It's pretty in and out. It's very cute.
2: No, I I agree. I think Animal Crossing, honestly, all things considered, is a very chill game and is very fun. And all Tom Nook aside, uh, that's a pretty pretty chill game. And by the way, so is Fez. Fez is beautiful uh, and fun. So I think Fez, I say let's go with Fez. Okay. Right?
1: Yeah, that's a good prescription. If I could add an additional treatment to this prescription. Um, <laughs> something this. that might help this along even further, you could even, you know, if you're playing Fez and you're getting into it, you can give an extra controller to your toddler and then they, you know, they think that they're involved. They think that they're wrapped up in this as well and they can watch and, you know, yeah. really get into it.
2: You can really start deceiving your child early on in their <laughs> developments. <laughs> start early? People we know do this. But I'm just saying, so I'm sure, you know, it's it's probably a great thing to do. It's a, probably a great, like, here, take this controller, child, and pretend like you're playing. I think that's totally fine. I think, Sonia, what do you think? This is our prescription. Mm-hmm. Joe, put Fez on, give your kid a controller, um, and and then, so they can pretend like they're playing. Um, and then, yeah, and, and uh, watch your stress melt away. I love that. Or you could just play Doom Eternal and just really <laughs> get out that rage. Either way. Um, thank you for the request, Joe. I ho- we hope that helped. Uh, and everyone else, if you'd like us to prescribe a game, please send in your requests on Twitter using the hashtag GGNT. And don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for this week. We'll see y'all next time.
1: Good Game, Nice Tries, produced by Jen Samples and Nick Leal. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Becton, with engineering and sound design by Hannes Brown. Music by John Danik. Danik.